0: I always just rely on, okay, just focus on why we created this. And when you see it work, that gives you the fuel to keep going. But let me tell you, we've been broke twice. I know what that looks like. I've written personal checks out of my checkbook to keep this thing alive multiple times. And it was beginning, you know, there's no employees, it's just you. So who funds it? You know, you self-fund it. You focus on that passion and you believe in the model and you trust that you're gonna find a way.
1: Hey! I'm so glad you answered. You're never going to believe what happened to me. Hello? Are you in your car? Yeah, I'm always in my car. You know I am. (laughs) (laughs) It's my
2: office. Hi, Rob. Sis, guess what? What? I landed the account. What's up? She showed up to her interview in a prom dress. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, I'm Robin Frank, the owner of Thumbs Cookies, and I make tiny, delicious butter cookies in Minneapolis. And I'm Lisa Frank, the owner of LBF Recruitment Strategies. I'm an executive recruiter and career coach in Chicago, and I'm also the author of the blog Frankly Speaking. And together, we are two sisters and both business owners with a lot of questions. And this is our podcast. You, you have, have no, no idea. idea. You start, and then I'll no, I'll interrupt, interrupt you. Me. I
1: talk too much. You go. No, talk about what we're going to talk about. Oh. Okay, bye. Can you tell we're sisters? Yeah. This episode, we are talking about being passionate about something and turning it into a business. And also, maybe it's the other way around. Maybe you have a business sense, but you don't know what you're passionate about. But mostly we're focusing on how you take that passion and really monetize it and make it into something that is a
2: sustainable business. So we talked today to the most passionate business owner that I know. He's so passionate. He is, he is. Johnny Immerman is the founder of Immerman Angels, which is a worldwide organization that matches people who are diagnosed with cancer to those who have survived the cancer and or the caregivers of the people that have survived that cancer. And they have a worldwide database. Mm -hmm. And he started the organization 10 years ago because of his own personal journey. And he's so cute too. (laughs) He is so so cute. cute. He's the cutest. He's bald and cute. He's the best. He really is. But he's a great example of somebody who's gone along the journey of pouring his own life experience into making a difference in the world. Mm -hmm. But he also talks about the ups and downs and the challenges of making something that you care about into a sustainable business Mm -hmm. and, and what that means in terms of hiring people and creating something and raising money and... Because he didn't really have a business background. he
1: no. just He was motivated. He knew there was something in the world that he needed to do, and that was
2: how he started. And then the business, it was like, I'll just figure that out later. What really resonates with me is he took his own personal life story that you'll hear, and he took his own strengths, which are connecting people. He mm-hmm. loves to connect people, whether he's doing it for work or for, it just comes really naturally, which is why I think Johnny and I... That's we're like my sisters we're like, good at. We're like... Soul siblings in that sense, but um, what you can't have another sibling. Soul siblings, you are my you're my you're my blood sibling sister. Don't make me jealous. But Johnny, I understand Johnny's love of connecting people, and he has really parlayed into something good and a way to make a difference in the world. And my sister and I
1: can both relate to this because we both have like started businesses from passion first. These tiny little cookies, my mom used to make them when I was growing up, and I just decided I felt connected to that, and I wanted to just make these cookies for people and spread joy. And then it was like, how am I going to make money doing that? So I very much understand that, and you similarly love connecting people and helping people, so you decided to start... Coaching people,
2: yeah. My recruiting business, I think, came to me because I was good at connecting people, and it was a way that I could do something that I was good at, and I found it accidentally. But my background is is that I love to help people, and I love helping other people find their gifts. Yeah. And so, what's my gift? So many things. (laughs) I don't have time here to (laughs) list them all because we have these people have other things to do. I have to pay (laughs) you. No, you have so many gifts. I'm just kidding. Her charisma is her Uh. number one. But um, that's the thing. I know how to help people get jobs. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so I never thought that I'd be able to really make a business out of coaching. Yeah. And... I think that once you start to put things out there and you are solving a social issue or a social need and your strength pours out of it and that you love it. I mean, I love helping people figure out what they want to do with their lives. And don't you think like mom and dad really encouraged us to be like that? They were like, find what you're
1: passionate about and then do it.
2: I think so. I Well, because I think, you know, dad was passionate about writing mm-hmm. and he was passionate. He really wanted to be a screenplay writer and his parents did not foster that passion piece, mm-hmm. you know, because they were afraid that he wasn't going to be able to put food on the table for right. his family. And later in his life, he was able to do the things he was passionate about. And I think that he wanted to make sure that we were set up for success, but we were also able to do the things that were meaningful to us at the same time.
1: Yeah. Our dad started writing when he was like in his late 40s, which was amazing Mm -hmm. to see, to like watch him pursue his passion. So he really figured out the business part first and how to put food on the table and provide for two Us. (laughs) us <laughs> and we were not easy I'm sure and then he really like investigated that he was what he was really passionate
2: about and he went for it later in his life and he did it parallel because he's still he's still working but he also wrote and produced three plays in his 60s yeah which is amazing who mm-hmm. does that right who does that Dan but Dan. I you know I have so many coaching clients who come to me and they say I want to do something that I'm passionate about and there's this ongoing back and forth, about does the thing that you do to make money also have to be the thing that you are passionate about at the same time? Because sometimes that can be a conflict of interest because your passion is something that you it's a hobby of yours and you don't mm-hmm. want to rely on it to make money and put food on your table. But mm-hmm. I always start with that question with people because I want to make sure that they understand the difference and how to pursue something that you love and that you're good at and that mm-hmm. you is your natural strength and also something that you feel is bringing value and, and substance to the world at the same time or meaning to the world. Yeah. That's what we want to do. You
1: want to but Johnny,
2: down. I mean, Johnny really found a way to take his personal story and his personal journey but he was a connector before that you know right. he he was he did matchmaking and recruiting and he's so damn charming he from a business perspective always was a connector right. also and he was able to bring all the things together and Really do good in the world,
1: and I love that he like had a nickname for me after meeting him like <laughs> twice. He's like, "Oh, Robs," and I was like, "Oh, Johnny." Well, you if you know? ever if you
2: ever text with Johnny, it's like I know <laughs> so I didn't, many emojis, so many emoticons. I didn't even know those emoticons existed, and I don't know how he types them that fast. He has but a lot he, of feelings. He, he wants does. to really make sure he loves people. He loves mm-hmm. people. Yeah, so do we. So we had the opportunity to talk to Johnny, but like so many entrepreneurs who work remotely. Johnny, we followed him through the Soho House in Chicago, and he found multiple places to sit. So you have to kind of bear with us because there's a little bit of background noise sometimes, but that happens in the world of entrepreneurialism. I mean, sometimes I take calls from Starbucks. Right, exactly. Uh,
0: where can I go? It's quiet. Um, let me check one thing. Actually, I do have an idea here. Is it quiet right there? And these guys are kind of talking over there, but Those jerks. I hope
2: Can you please tell them that you're doing something very important? Excuse me. So we're super excited to talk to you today because we're talking about passion and business, which you are a perfect example of how you took something that you were passionate about and made it into a business. You know,
0: it's funny that I never think of myself as a business person at all. I think of myself as someone who tries to solve a social problem. Because I know about me, I only get excited and I only get passionate about something when there's a social good component, when there's a problem in society that needs to be fixed. And I guess that's kind of how I view what we do. It's just awesome survivors that want to give back, but we all work as a team to solve a social problem. So Emmerman Angels started because there was a need, because young people, old people, anyone, is diagnosed with cancer and they simply are on an island. It feels like you're literally on an island. You're the only one that feels like you, looks like you. And the reality is that's not the truth. There's somebody else out there who's actually been through this. Our whole mission is finding someone who's on that island and found out today they have tongue cancer, connect them with someone who lives maybe across the country, across the world, who already beat tongue cancer. It's an amazing connection an amazing partnership. That person lights up when they realize, Hey, somebody has survived what I have. Is the background? Is that background noise killing us? Sorry.
1: It's like they're doing it on purpose.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but normally this room isn't used for this, <laughs> it's not used for this room they have just started.
2: <laughs> Why did you in particular create an organization called Immerman Angel?
0: So my quick story is I was 26 years old and I was a couple years out of school, University of Michigan. I'm like a lot of kids in the 20s, you're going to work, you're going on dates, you're hanging out with friends, you're going to bars, you're living your life trying to figure out your next stage of life and enjoying life. And all of a sudden I got diagnosed with testicular cancer. I was actually in a bar in Ann Arbor and had crazy pain in the left testicle like excruciating pain it felt like somebody took a knife and stabbed me directly in the left testicle and I doubled over in pain I couldn't stand up it saved my life because it forced me to go into the hospital but I got to it in time chemo worked scans were clear clean at 27 years old for about a year and then at 28 I had four tumors behind my kidneys pop up and they had to do an 11 inch vertical incision through my abdomen to get to the tumors to, to, to save me then. And they cut the four tumors out. But I, that was about 26 to 28 years old were all my treatments. But now here's the important part, is you have so much time. Eight hours a day, every day of chemo, like you just can think and you look and you see other people. And what I saw is people fight cancer alone every day. I'd walk with my little IV pole, and walk down the hallway and look in other rooms and it was behind the glass. People are alone. They're depressed, they're scared. The majority of people are all alone. I think most people don't know that, but that's the reality, that's what happens. And every day I walk by these people, the guilt started to pile up more and more in me because I would walk back to my room and I had my mom every minute of every treatment. I had my brother, I had friends that visited me in the hospital. I had buddies that were residents. And, uh, and doctors even, there, uh, like, I knew at the hospital they would come visit me. And...
1: So you personally felt like you had a support system during all of this.
0: I felt like I had the best support system in the world. And I also felt guilty because other people didn't have it. And as I saw it alone, I'm like, people need to inspire these people. They're, mm-hmm. They look depressed. They look sad. They're isolated. In addition, though, I, my support system lacked one thing. I didn't know any people that could look me in the eye and say, oh, I've walked the same walk because I get it. Mm -hmm. And then you pull those two ideas together, people are isolated, and then people are isolated from survivors like them. And so our mission at Immunmen Angels is to solve both of those problems. Give them a connection to somebody who can just be a friend, somebody that will talk to them. If they're local, they'll visit you at the hospital. I mean, that's such a powerful connection just to have human connection. But then even the next level of powerful is to have somebody who says, I've walked this walk that you're just starting. You know, you're on mile one of this 26.2 mile marathon and you're starting your treatments. Guess what? I've run the marathon. I've crossed the finish line. I know the trail cause I've done the same trail. Let me tell you what you need to know every mile of this 26 mile marathon.
1: But some people, don't figure out what they're passionate about. And they start a business with you. You actually did figure out what you were passionate about. And then it's and like, what he was good at and what you were good at. But now it's like, okay, well, how do I work from my passion? And then, and something that's so personal to me. And then think about payroll and employing people and raising money, like all of the things that don't go along with like, the pretty passion of it, you know? And I'm wondering yes. if you can, yeah. What do you think this about is that? This a great
0: question. So Rob's brings up a great issue in the non-profit world, the social venture world. The passion people, the social venture visionaries, if you will, like generally speaking, it is not there strong suit to like run a company to think in business terms and think in yeah. quantitative figures Been and budgets there. and yourself. right in <laughs> yeah. fact it's not only not their skill but if you're like me at all you do, you will do you will fight and scrap through anything not to do it <laughs> exactly you just you're unhappy doing right. it so you don't want to <laughs> do it all you want to do is is the idea share like your, your passion. passion tell your story right. right so the key I think which we have been able to do. Fortunately, is find people to do that. I'm sorry, so we can't. That's okay. You, guys, you need you need the space. Yeah, we're just here. Okay. No worries. No worries. No worries. Please. No Johnny. This
1: this is like this is like an endurance test for you. This is actually seeing the kind of man you are. Like we're actually we're actually tearing down this building. Could you actually just move across the street? Johnny finally found a place where there wasn't a building being demolished, and it was quiet, he was really able to delve in deeper into what it was like to um, start a business out of passion and acknowledge that he wasn't necessarily
2: made for all of the business aspects of what he was doing and he got really real i mean johnny did, yeah. johnny's so good at presenting and being on the media and everything and telling his story but when when we really got a chance to sit and feel like we were having coffee with him yeah he we got real, to break he, it down frank got, style yeah he got yeah. super real with us <laughs> he did <laughs> just getting into the good
0: stuff i know i think it's been a solid decade of wearing the same t-shirt every day and Do i gotta you wash t- it. it um, oh, every four years, Rob's, I wash it. Hey, I'm on year two. You got to come. Give me a I mean,
1: I'm all for branding, but I'm also for smelling good. That's going to be our next episode. Hygiene and branding. Okay. Sorry. Go on. So
0: I have about 25 of these t-shirts and it's literally a stack of pancakes at my house. And I take the one off the top, take the top pancake, put it on. Like it is the simplest thing ever. I have like, I don't know, five or six pairs of shorts couple pairs of sandals, a few pairs of shoes. Like, I am the supreme minimalist. So then there's no decisions in the morning. I never have to look in the mirror. I shave my head. It always looks the same. I wear the same clothes. It always looks the same. You don't even need the mirror. You just go. Because I know how it looks already.
2: So you started with the t-shirts in 2005?
0: Yeah, started with the t-shirts 2005. And um, you know what? It was a simple way of bringing up into conversation something that's positive which is a free service to provide mentors for people going through cancer who are peers and that's why I kept doing it because I realized like if I don't wear it today I might be passing someone on the street on Randolph Street and their mom is cancer had I been wearing it they would ask about this t-shirt because they saw a shirt that said one-on-one cancer support Emmerman Angels and then you get into a conversation and then you give them a business card an hour later, that mother is getting help.
1: There must've been days when, even though you had that serious passion about like, this, this really matters to people from a business perspective, there must've been a day that you can think of where you felt like this is really hard as a business, you know?
0: Um, I'll, like most days, <laughs> the majority, <laughs> the majority I'm like, I don't know how to hire people. I am really bad at hiring people. I just stopped, basically, is what I learned. I just don't do it because I want to see probably a lot like L. Franks, and I imagine Rob's Franks, too. But L. Franks, you have to be discerning. You have to be because that's your job. But you want to see the positive in people, and I will just literally zero in on what's good in them and see the light, and I'm going to hire 100 people the first 100 people that walk in the door, I'll hire them all. Like, I'm just bad. So
1: was there ever like a day that, was there a specific moment where you were just like, I don't know if this is going to work. Like, even though I know I'm so, this is such an important mission from a business perspective. Like, was there a day that you were like, I don't know if I can keep doing this?
2: Because it wasn't just you, you know, as you started to build, you had to hire people and have other resources and you had to become the real deal.
0: Exactly, like once you start hiring people, everything changes. Like you got to manage people now. It's not just like I did this morning, like going to meet a guy for coffee and sharing your story to help them or connecting two people, right? You have to record it. You have to have a technology system that has the ability to, to track who you connected and have profiles. You have to have training programs. All of a sudden, when you scale it up, there's a lot of issues that are hard. Volunteers. Today, we have a 1,000 local volunteers. How do you manage them? How do you keep them happy? How do you keep them engaged? Your board. How do you get back to everybody? How does the board work together? What should the board be doing to help the cause? There are so many moving parts. Um, yes, it becomes juggling. And if you can find a board, here's the key that I've learned. If you can find a board that brings the skills that you don't like doing, and generally, what you don't like doing, you're also bad at. And I'm a believer in extreme ownership. Own what you're bad at. I'm bad at most things. But I just too. try to stay in a channel. I don't think that's true, bad. No, but. no.
1: We're good at the same things. <laughs> I can talk and talk. I can tell some stories. But he's like, can you email me back? And I'm like, yeah. In like a month, I'll totally
2: email you back. Yeah. Johnny's really good at e- at emailing oh, back. Oh, shit. With, with emojis. I'm really bad. Yeah. I don't know how he adds <laughs> in all the emojis. One of the things that I love about Johnny's story is when he got real with us, he talked about needing needing to bring other people around him to execute on the idea because even mm-hmm. even though somebody's a founder of an idea and it's really important and they say this is going to take off and and I know it's going to resonate with people, mm-hmm. it doesn't like you said earlier, it doesn't mean that they have the right skills to execute just because of mm-hmm. the founder of the idea and and he talked about needing to step away. Mm-hmm. And it's like when I make cookies, but I don't
1: I didn't know how to read my profit and loss at first. <laughs> like what's a P and I I don't know, but I can make some really good peanut butter cookies. <laughs> <laughs> it's kinda like that, right? <laughs> <laughs>
2: no, it is like that. It is like that. I mean, I work with so many people who are founders of startups mm-hmm. and they have super great ideas, and they have no idea how to hire. They have no idea what they're looking for. And they have no idea say, how to manage people. You have no idea. You have no idea. I say it in a really <laughs> nice way, but but it's really hard. I mean, I know all the time as an entrepreneur there, there are – so many things that I don't know how to do. Mm -hmm. And I have wonderful people around me also who've been able to step in and support me in doing some of those things. Mm -hmm. It's finding people who can help support you so that the dream can continue on. And Johnny Mm -hmm. had to make a really big decision. Johnny's organization is named after him. It's his name on the door. Mm -hmm. But he realized, is this the right role for him? And even Mm -hmm. though he was the founder, should he be the CEO? And I bet that was really, really hard. And he had to capitalize on what he did best in order to bring value to the organization in the most important way
0: you know in the inside when you're doing something and you wish you were doing something else and I think that's the key to shedding certain roles and if you care enough about the mission and if it's a social venture it's probably a little easier to care about it because these are human lives you're talking about these aren't widgets or hangers or you know uh, footrests I mean these are people and if you care enough about the mission and the people you're serving, you literally own it and you step out of the way. When I knew that we were getting bigger and we were needed to help thousands of people a year, and I literally couldn't run the events, manage the staff, um, deal with the technology problems and system, um, file things to the government that needed to be with the IRS, um, keep in touch with our lawyers if we needed them for employee count. whatever, all these issues, finding new office space, couldn't do all those roles. You have, to, it was just too much. There was not enough time. So I chose to do what I love the best, which is the people side and which is, um, not being a CEO, being a CEO requires, certain skills. And I would rather be meeting with doctors in the hospitals, giving speeches, recruiting the people that are sick, meeting with survivors, getting people excited about the cause, recruiting volunteers, recruiting board members, getting people to believe in what we believe in. That to me is what gets me excited. And when I touch the people that were helping, I need that. Like I crave that. Being a CEO, I felt was the most distance from all that stuff.
2: Obviously, there's a part of you that that was really grateful for the fact that you could move on into a role that where you thrived and that was much more connected to you authentically and what you do best. But was it hard for you to let go of things and to let somebody else be the CEO and the executive director, even though you knew it was the right move? But now you have somebody else in the day to day making decisions Mm -hmm. around something you founded and has been your baby for all these years with your name on it.
0: You know, Lisa, it was really hard for me after matching people, literally thousands of people every year, even though we had a staff of like four at the time. And like 2009, I think was the first time that I let other people do the matches because everyone's coming to you and originally I had my own laptop and everyone's on my laptop on my contacts <laughs> and I'm keyword searching and I have certain codes and I know how to find the people. And I'm like, Oh, I remember talking to this girl last year and she beat this rare type of cervical cancer. You and had it all in was, your
2: head. It yeah. was in
0: my head for yeah. a long time. I feel that way all it. the time.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes.
0: Cause you have, you know, so many connections to people Lisa in your life, and you just you just know who they are, and it just clicks for you. Hard to teach
2: you. that to somebody else. Yeah. Hard to
0: teach that, and hard to get that into a tech database yes. and system mm-hmm. right yeah like it's yeah. not easy to do that so the reality and how is do you feel I,
1: about tech are you excited about tech you don't like tech.
0: i could not be less excited about tech
1: <laughs> johnny if I'm you ready. and i had to navigate the world together we'd be so screwed we'd be so screwed i'd be, be like i don't know how do you work this thing yeah, can you imagine? You <laughs> but, we would, be but we would but we would connect with people and we would seduce them into helping us <laughs> you know I'm a tech really? disaster. I'm a walking tech disaster. Oh my god
0: It's all about compliment, right? And if the vision people are able to find the people that love tech, to find the people that love numbers, love the people that love love making budgets. Believe it or not, people are in the world that love they making do. budgets. They do
1: passionate yeah. about the budget to find them. Who are those people? <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: And so here's the key. If you find people that can bring all those skill sets together, so your soccer team literally has a left winger, it has a center, and a right, and it has the right midi, and it's got a goalie, and you got your defense, and you got all your positions covered, that's when teams yeah, succeed. That's so good because we play really- so
1: many sports. That's so good. Lisa and I <laughs> are such <laughs> we don't. <laughs> but there are people listening to this that do understand what you just said.
2: The only thing you watch is on TV Sports <laughs> Center. so...
0: Literally. I was doing it last night. I know what that a goalie is.
1: is. I know what a goalie <laughs> is. Yeah, You know what a
0: goalie yeah, is. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: I know what a goalie is, yeah.
2: So are you okay with other people in the day-to-day? Because you don't... Today, you don't even go into your office every day, right?
0: No. No, I'm rarely in the office. And this is... It's been a very interesting transition. How to go from doing all the matching, to letting your team do the matching, to have a group do it. Because here's the reality. It's not sustainable in one person. No company will be successful in one person. Mm-hmm. It, teams make dreams happen, right? You mm. need people. Above love but,
2: that. Teams make dreams happen. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, it. I, I need to put that on my wall. Yeah, good. I mean,
0: it's true. It's about people. That makes me feel so, like an athlete. Yeah. <laughs> good. <laughs> But like the reality is like, whoa, so so if teams make dream happen, what's the most important thing? Hiring the right people, mm-hmm. which is really what you do least. But mm-hmm. hiring the right people and then trusting your people. So I don't go to the office now for a lot of reasons. But one of those reasons, I mean I do but very rarely because I want our CEO to feel like he has, I'm not watching over his shoulder. Mm-hmm. He has the ability to make his own decisions. He's got a lot of power and leeway and we trust him. And at the same time, like he's going to be their leader. I don't want them coming to me for questions that I'm going to go right back to him on. It's just not efficient. But
1: they do need your passion as the through line and to, to make it go forward. Like the passion is what you're the best at and the inspiration. And that really is, that's just as necessary as knowing how to do a budget.
0: I mean, hopefully you get a CEO that's able to do all of it, right? That's your dream CEO who's passionate, fired up, gets your team fired up, manages your team well, understands the program, understands the business side. I mean, that's your dream CEO. Um, But I think most visionaries, like, who originally are founders of an organization, like, yes, it's important that those people still give pump-ups and are still connected emotionally. I mean, for me... I could never let go emotionally of this all the way. I just care too much about it.
2: What have you learned most about yourself through this journey?
0: Wow, it's a really deep question. I love deep. Um. We go
2: deep here. We go deep.
1: We're the Frank (laughs)
2: sisters. call me Barbara Walters.
0: (laughs) So the number one thing I probably learned about myself is that when you care enough about helping people and helping people outside of yourself, I'm willing to take on probably the biggest risks of my life. And I know before that I didn't have the courage to start a company. It wasn't something I would have the courage to do before I got sick and went through treatments. And one of the biggest lessons, if not the biggest, is that you can literally throw everything else out the window and just say, go for it. It gave me the courage to go for it because I knew that something good would happen. I just It gave me faith. Maybe that's the best way to, to, to summarize it. It gave me the ability to have true faith. And like Martin Luther King gives the definition of true faith, as we're on this floor right here, and there's a floor above, and there's a spiral staircase going up from this floor to that floor. But as you look at the stairs from the bottom, you see a couple steps here and a few steps there, But by no means do you see every step on the staircase, but you trust with every step you take, the next step will somehow appear. And that's true faith. And I think that like, I love that quote because it's just like we have to have it in life when you believe in something so much and you know it's gonna make the world a better place and I could feel it, I could see it working. I was like, I'm just gonna have faith that I have no clue how to do this, I have no clue where I'm going, but I know that every match I make makes the world a better place and I'm just not going to stop. I'm just going to keep doing it.
1: I mean, we are so lucky to live in a world with people like you that marry faith with a true mission that really matters and changes the world. I think, you know, how many people would love to have a life that meaningful and, it's not easy, but the fact that you are the living proof that it can be done—that you can really take something you believe in and mix it with faith and just perseverance and keep on going—that's, I mean, what's more incredible and inspiring than that?
0: Well, thank you, Rob. You know, I think that the the true people that deserve the credit are every one of our eight thousand plus mentors who volunteered their time, their energy their passion to give back because they're so grateful.
1: And the people that make the budgets. Sorry. (laughs) Yes.
0: I mean, it's everybody. It's 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 the budget people, the
1: hiring people. They're important too.
0: You're right. The mentors, the volunteers, the board members. It's every... The numbers people. You need them. I mean, the bottom line is like, you need them. You got to file with the IRS. You got (laughs) to... Keep record records and everything somebody's <laughs> got to do that job right and so totally. you need to have it but i think that faith and life brings the greatest emotional rewards because you know what uh, we fail i fail all the time i still make mistakes all the time but we all have faith and we all work together and we're like we just kind of know we're gonna figure it out because we know one to one i can look at this and I can see it working. And then guess what? People tell you it's working. The feedback loop in this world of Emberman Angels sometimes is a split second and it's right in front of your face. You get feedback instantly because, I mean, I can't say how many times I've matched people in the early days. Literally, i match them, then they call each other literally like right away, an hour later, they're both calling me to say what a wonderful experience it is and their phone rings at the same time.
1: And that's worth everything
0: everything.
1: What we hope that if you are passionate about something that this has inspired you to know that you can make a business out of it and don't let things that are important in business be hurdles that stop you. Just know that if you take your passion and you keep on going and there's a through line that you literally can make a huge difference.
2: But you have to ask for help and you have to be open to help and you have what mm-hmm. I think that one of the most inspirational things about Johnny is that he knows himself so well, and he knows what he's good at, and he knows what he's not. Totally. And if you're going to yeah. be an entrepreneur, you've got to you've got to walk in, and even though you have a great idea, you have to know where you thrive and where you don't, yeah. and bring people around you. To fill, to fill in the the voids or the weaknesses so that you can be have a sustainable business. Thank you
1: for joining us again on this episode of You Have No Idea. We're still figuring
2: it out, but we're really glad you listened. We're getting better. We are. I think we're getting better. <laughs> we're a work in progress. A big thank you to our guest today, Johnny Immerman, founder of Immerman Angels. If you would like to learn more about the organization or support the organization, you can find them at immermanangels.org.
0: And here's the reality, every entrepreneur, social or otherwise, you're gonna fail. You're gonna make mistakes. You're gonna have days when you can't sleep. You're gonna have days when you just wanna cry. You're gonna have days when you wanna quit. And the reality is you have gotta drive through all that. You gotta power through it all. And every time I would look in the eyes of someone like I did literally an hour ago, I'm like, there's something here. This is a beautiful human connection that simply the world needs. These people need it. And I'm like, I just, I'm not giving up. I'm going to do it for them.
2: You Have No Idea is a podcast produced in Minneapolis and Chicago. We would like to thank our brilliant
1: redheaded producer, Mary Beth Ramslow for making us sound so fabulous.
2: And our parents, because without them, we wouldn't be here. True. I'm Lisa Frank, and you can find me and my blog, Frankly Speaking, at lbfstrategies.com. And I'm Robin Frank, and you can
1: find me and my cookies at thumbscookies.com. We hope you join us again for You You Have have No no idea. Idea.